mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? With me to 2 Peter chapter 3. We're going to be starting in verse 1 today. Um, again, as we've been rehearsing, as we've been repetitively talking about, some 16 times Peter talks about knowing, about knowledge. Uh, epigonosco, the word gnosko. Epigonosco is the word upon recognizing. You can tell a tree by its fruit. You can recognize it when you look at an apple tree because why? It's got fruit. It's got apples growing on it. And so now you know that is an apple tree. And the other word, gnoskos, is the word that it's really where you come to know through searching out the knowledge, through experience, through having a relationship. You come to know um, that knowledge. There's about four words for knowledge, but that's the two that we're basically dealing with um, in this letter from Peter. He is writing us about apostasy. Really, that's, the, that's really what he's talking about is apostasy. Those that have walked away from the truth, which is a person, it's Jesus Christ. And he has told us about judgment. And he's getting ready to retell us the same thing about false teachers, about the age that we live in. He told us about the false prophets of the Old Testament uh, that we've seen. And if you go back and read it, and I would encourage you to always read the Old Testament. Study the Old Testament. Don't leave it out. It's the foundation upon which everything is built that there also be false teachers in our day. The word pseudo on the front of those, uh, if you're familiar with that word. And some of the false, or excuse me, the, the false teachers are in the body of Christ. They're in the church. They're teaching people. They're telling them that they know the way of truth. And if you remember from our last lesson, it seems that they've escaped the pollutions of the world, the pollution, they've cleaned up their life, they stop going to the bar, they stop cussing, they stop doing this or that or the other thing, and they entered into this religious relationship where they go to church and they feel good, but they haven't escaped the corruption that's in the heart, because it's not enough to believe that Jesus is Lord and that God saved him or raised him from the dead, but there has to be some change of mind. There has to be some change of direction. There has to be, and we're going to get to it in our text this morning, there has to be repentance. There has to be repentance because really, when you get right down to the crux, you guys know that crux means cross, 
It's where it comes from. Everything comes from that moment in time. Um, there's only two authorities that exist. Of course, we know that God is almighty. Satan is mighty. There's only two governments. No matter how many governments you make up in your mind or how many states or how many, there's only two places to camp out in life. That's either listening to the devil's government, as Eve did, or it's listening to God's government or God's authority, God's word, as the second Adam did. Not the first Adam, because he followed Eve. She was supposed to be following him, and upside downly, he allowed her, he allowed the home to be usurped, and he wasn't training and teaching and protecting and warning with the word of God because his authority, the, go the government of God told him to. So he allowed the title deed of the earth to be taken by the devil because he didn't follow. And, and ultimately, that's what's going on today. It's what's always been going on. It has never changed. We're either going to follow the government of God or the government of the devil. And I'm using that word purposely. If you look it up in the Bible, the only time, uh, the only time, that government that I found was, was in Isaiah. I can't see without glasses. I picked up my Bible like I was going to do something. That was real tough. Uh, it's Isaiah. Listen to this. It's Isaiah 9. You, you know this text. I just want to bring this in. It's not really a topical. It's, it's, it's on par for what we're doing because there's a lot of apostate teachers that have begun. They've come out of the pollution of the world. But since they're false teachers, they're staying underneath the government of the world. They haven't begun to follow the government of God and His Word and change their mind, change their opinion of what they think knowledge and truth is. Listen, here's the only two times that it's used. It's Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For unto us a child is born. That's why God's Son came. For us, unto us a son is given. He was the greatest gift ever given. God's son, he gave us freely his son. And the government will be upon his shoulders. His shoulder. And his name will be called. See, one day, everything. I mean, he's, he's the one that has all authority, all power. It's his government that matters. It's his authority, the word could be. His name, which is his character, his nature, his will, his authority, will be called Wonderful Counselor. You get in counsel somewhere else? This is the Wonderful Counselor. His name shall be El Gabor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You want peace? You have to come and receive this gift. Of the increase of his government and peace... There's the word government. There will be no end. This is the only real one world government that's going to last for eternity. The other one's false. It brings lies to you. It's unholy. It's deceptive. It wants you to follow it and go to hell with it. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. It's going to be judgment. It's going to be justice. It's a fair scales. It's, it, it's going to be uh, um, judged by righteousness. 
We don't have any, so we need his. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Very important to understand this because, see, we, we, we're, we're born in the life and we have this, this thought or this perceptual field that there's so many roads we can follow. And that's because the devil has made all of these other isms. He's made all of these other things and he's allowed to do this. He's out on bond to deceive and test, be used by God to lead you astray. And no matter how many other roads there are, there's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one government that's going to get you out of this place alive because you're a spirit and you're going somewhere either in life with God or to death for eternity. And everything else looks like there's so many choices. What do I choose? Just choose the one that's right and follow it and you don't have to worry about the other noise. If it doesn't line up with God's government, then it's noise. It's trash. It is not for you. You want to follow what lines up with God's government. Who's the head of his government? Christ is the head. He's been given preeminence. He is the head of all principalities and powers. He is the head of the church. Head is he is power. Have to understand that. Always when you see that word, it's talking about power. And God has given it all. God gave him all power and authority. That's what he said in Matthew 28, 18, when he rose from the grave and he spoke to the boys. He said, all power, all authority has been given to me. Go, therefore, there's our command, and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them. And this is, baptism is really just identification. Is it, I'm identifying that now I'm changing my mind. That's all I'm doing. I heard that gospel. I, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I heard the truth, and now I'm identifying that I am going to change my mind and change my direction. Would you keep me accountable, please? That's why I'm getting baptized. I want you to see publicly out here that God's doing an inner work, but I know I need the rest of the body of Christ to help me. And if the rest of the body of Christ don't help me, I'm probably going to get led away by some other voice. And I'm going to think I'm still okay, but I'm going to be really being destroyed by the devil because I'm out there by myself. See, it's not a, it's not a spectator sport and it's not a one person. This is, this is a body. But the devil has successfully separated the body to where there's so many different churches and bodies but listen there's only one lord there's only one spirit there's only one god there's only one government to follow and if we're not looking at his instruction book that he left for us and learning what it says and obeying it then i guarantee you you're following some other voice that says turn in here turn in here we have we have this pseudo wisdom but it looks great because it sounds good but the devil packages this up really good you know, I was thinking about, I was probably singing that song in my head, even if you don't. And, I mean, you know where that comes from? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, King, God's able to save us from the fire. And if he don't, we still ain't bowing down to you. See, when you know the truth and you're under the government of God, and no matter what's going on, God's able to bring you through it or take you out of it. He's able to, to rescue you. But even if he don't, 
He's testing your heart to see if you're going to obey what you already know of his government. So it doesn't matter. He's in control. But so many people go, well, it doesn't seem to be working out the way I thought it was working out. And I thought the Bible was like this. And I thought Christianity was like that. And I thought we should be doing this. But since that's not going on, I'm going to follow what looks good. And you end up apostate. You end up following a false teacher. You end up doing something that you could have made up yourself. And maybe even done it a little bit better. So you have to understand, what is governing your life? And it has to be the Word of God. And the Word of God is a person, Jesus Christ. And in this text, we want to see the love that Peter brings in this. It's just, there's so much love that he brings, but there's also clarity. Reason in your mind, well, I haven't been punished yet. Reason in your mind, well, other people aren't doing it. Other people will go to hell. You don't have to follow them. We have to wake up, and it's a personal love relationship with God. None of them other people are going to be standing there with you at the judgment seat. You have to make this decision of your own heart, of your own accord. So when we closed, I mean, we really looked at in chapter 2, as I took you all across the Bible there for a minute. Um, if you're not allowing God to have his way with you, his government with you, his authority over you, and it's always in love. It's like, oh, I love you. Don't do that. Turn in here. Get into the word, prayer, and fellowship. Here is the bread. Here is the sustenance. Here is what I have provided for you if you're changing your mind. If you're turning away from your sin nature and you're being delivered out of that, then here is how it's done. There's no other government to look to. There's no other instruction book. There's no other plan. You don't read somebody's bestseller, read my word and spend time with me and then spend time with, your, with my people and learn to unwrap each other. Remember when Lazarus came out of the tomb and he said, he called him forth, but then he told the people standing there, unwrap him. Take off the grave clothes. And that's why we're here. The one another ministry is to learn to do that so the devil don't suck us in. Oh, yeah, but I, me and a good old boy upstairs, we got a, we got a plan. I mean, we, we got a deal. We got an agreement. Wish I had a dollar for every time I heard somebody say that. There's no agreements. There's the government of God and his great love, and we need to surrender and throw ourselves on his mercy and then allow the rest of the body to counsel us. But if you're not in the word of God, I don't want you counseling me. Don't give me no advice. I don't want to hear it. I don't care if you are a PhD in something. If you're not reading the word of God, I don't want to hear your advice. Just that simple. I want to hear God's voice. Because I don't want to hear earthly, central, demonic wisdom. I don't want to hear a theory. We have the truth. Why would we listen to theories? Why would we listen to theories? So, Peter tells us the same thing again. He's already told us. False teachers, false prophets, they're going to lie to you. See, lies is how the government of the devil work. They lie to you. They get you to think this is the way to go. 
Turn in here. Follow this. It'll be great. Everybody will look at you. It's a lie from the devil. It's not about us. It's about God. This is all about God. This is not about you. The problem is we always think it's about us. This is about God's great love that he wants to share with you. And you can't share in the rewards and the fruit of his great love unless you do it his way. So look at three. Hopefully we can wrap this all up, bring it together, make it make sense where I was going with that. Beloved. See this? This is, this is, this is uh, like speaking to a child. This is speaking to someone in enduring terms. He wants to encourage us. I now write to you this second epistle. Now listen, I don't know if you guys are the same as me, but I was reading it and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm at the last chapter of this second epistle and you're just now telling me that you're now writing me this second epistle? It's almost like he laid it down and he's praying over it. And he's like, what else should I tell them if I'm writing this letter and I know I'm getting ready to die? It's almost like he laid it down and then he started over again to remind us what he already told us. Now, I can just see that happening because he's like, I don't know what to say because this is going to be my swan song. I don't have a chance to tell him anything else. And it's almost like he started over again because he's already told us all this information, really. Everything that's said here, he's going to, you're going to see he's told it. He's writing this second epistle. It's a letter. And both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded by water. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for the fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Father, we thank You for Your Word, and we ask that You would... Um, Help us to receive this word deep into fertile soil of our heart and that it would grow fruit and that fruit would uh, produce some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. That it would cause us to understand the great love you have for us and encourage us to go out and tell others about your son Jesus. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you would say to the church. Protect us from wolves and from false teachers. And give us a hunger to know your truth and to be under your government for your glory for such a time as this. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, be loved. This is encouraging. This is loving. He's, it's his swan song. Be loved. I now write to you this second epistle. 
in both of which I stir up your pure minds. Sincere minds is a better word. Pure is not a good. Listen, listen. See, when, you, when, when they translate words like that, now you're going, oh, wow, people got pure minds? I don't think anybody got no pure minds, okay? I mean, you don't have to tell me your thoughts. If, if, if I knew your thoughts, I'd probably tell you to leave. And if you knew my thoughts, you probably wouldn't come here. Because we don't have pure minds. The, the devil's always throwing darts. And, and, and we look at stuff and we think crazy stuff. And we think about people and we want to say stuff. And what we do is die to self. And we don't let those get out sometimes. But it's really more sincere. Now listen, in Christ, positionally, I'm pure. I'm holy. I'm undefiled. But practically, he's still working on me. And all of us, all of us, the battle's right there in your mind. What you're thinking. Am I going to listen to what he has to say? Or am I going to go read the number one bestseller? Am I going to go get this and that and the other thing and think I'm okay still? Or am I going to receive this and begin to get in here and let the word of God wash and cleanse me? See, that's how you're going to get the rest of you washed and cleansed. But until you see Jesus face to face, you don't have a pure mind, really. But So this word is sincere. It, it, it means sincere because you sincerely, and he's saying, beloved, I want to encourage you. He's writing to people that he believes are sincerely wanting to obey God and follow God. He's not writing to a church that is culturanity. He's, 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 he's insinuating that he's writing to people that, that believe God, they're trying to follow God, and he's warning them that the devil's coming and that false teachers are going to be taking them away from the sincerity that's in living for God. So he's, he's in his mind writing to people that really want to be governed by God and not governed by themselves, by their own desires by their own feelings and emotions. Listen, I'm telling you right now, your feelings, emotions, everything that you think is going to go with you wherever you go in eternity. But they will lead you to hell down here if you follow them and it's not true. I feel like I should be able to pretty much do what I want because God is a God of love. And so I can do whatever I want whenever I want. And, and aren't we all going to get in anyway eventually? See, does that line up with anything that's true? But they're teaching it out there today. I mean, just listen to me. Know what's in your Bible. If it was a, uh, a treasure map to find treasure, you would follow it perfectly. Think about it for a minute. You'd be like, no, 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 not that palm tree, this palm tree. If we go to that palm tree, we're going to get lost. We're not going to find it. Somebody else is going to find it first. And you'd be like following it. You'd be, you'd be like honing in on it. If it was something that you really desired, you hone in on it. Because listen, there's an enemy out there trying to rob, kill, and destroy you. He wants to take you to hell. He wants you to go into eternity fire. I mean, this is serious stuff. If your house was on fire and the firemen come in to lead you out, are you going to pull away from him? Are you going to say, no, I know a better way and try to go the other way? You're going to follow the guy that's got the equipment on that's pulling you out to safety. He just came in. That's Jesus. He came down. He wants to take you up. You can't get out of here alive without his instructions. No way. 
And yet, listen, our impure mind wrestles with him every day. How much more do we need the word of God and encouragement and reminder when we know that our own flesh, this flesh is one of my greatest enemies, if not the only enemy, because it deceives me. And then I start listening to the world and to the devil, because that's the three enemies. But it's me that has a choice. Am I going to listen to God and his government, or do I want to turn over here to this sin or to the devil and his government? It's that simple. But God has given us a chance to be led out, to live and be citizens in his house, in his heaven, and we fight with him. That's why I tell you, everybody comes in and says, I've been fighting with the devil. We've been. No, you've been fighting with God. See, the war's already over. All you got to do is stand. Just stand and receive the fruit of freedom. But then we run off in our minds that are impure and we go do all kinds of other things. And then we go, I've been fighting with the devil. No, you ain't. You've been fighting with God and what he's doing in your life because everything that's going on is to perfect you to test you, to try you, to show you what's in your heart so that you might know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Why? Because Jesus is the word of God, and Jesus is the head of God's government, and Jesus is the one that's leading us out. He's the only one that's ever descended so that he could ascend, Romans 10. I don't want somebody showing me the way out that ain't ever been there. So be careful listening to man. If what man is saying doesn't line up with what God has already said, and if he's making up some new stuff, then it ain't from God. False teachers are coming to do this. Believe me, as someone has said, this is not, it's not the sign of the times, but it's the time of the signs. There's so many signs out there, and I'm not even looking for them, but my goodness, if the wall says wet paint, I mean, see, that's what a sign does. It tells you something more about something that you're already seeing. So this doesn't have a sign on it, so I can pretty much assume it's dry paint, but if there was a sign there that said wet paint and I did this, I'd be pretty stupid, wouldn't I? Because I just seen the sign that says wet paint. So see, when you see all these things going on on our planet, that's why it's called the time of the signs. There's so many of them. You have to be totally asleep and not care, not to see that God is getting ready to do something big. And the next big event since May 14, 1948 is the rapture of the church, is to take his children home because he's getting ready to judge the enemies of the cross. So first he's going to put the sickle in and get the rest of the fruit out of here and put them in his house and then he's going to come back and deal with those who rejected his son. Because there has to be judgment and judgment. Well, see the false teachers today, listen, I'm not talking about a false teacher that tells you, you know, things that, that, that are dumb. I'm talking about a false teacher that tries to tell you that there's not going to be a judgment. Trying to talk about, hey, this is what you really need to think about. There's a lot of things that are just not salvatory. Teachers will teach some dumb stuff. They'll tell you fishing stories. They'll do all kinds of stuff. They just want to get you in the building so they can pay for it because it isn't paid for yet. And they're really trying to get 
people in so they can have membership and they can feel like they're building a kingdom and they're doing great and the board's happy so they get stuff and they get to go home and then their wife's happy and everything's fine. That's got nothing to do with all this. Okay? Nothing to do with it. The false teachers want you to believe that you don't have to worry about nothing, that you're okay because God loves you. Nothing wrong with that statement, is there? If you're not preaching the cross and sin, and you're not preaching sanctification and turning. See, that's why this text doesn't end on verse 9. It doesn't say that, that God is long-suffering. He wants everybody to come to salvation. God is long-suffering. He wants everybody to come to heaven and have a party with him. It says repentance specifically. Because if you don't think nothing's wrong with your life, you're never going to turn around and change your mind and come underneath God's government. But if somebody preaches sin and righteousness and judgment, just like the Holy Spirit's in the world to do, then you become this guy that's just beating the sheep and you're hellfire and brimstone. No, that's the gospel. People are in a burning house. They need somebody to tell them, pull a fire alarm, and send somebody in to get them. And the only person that can do that is Jesus. The only one with an oxygen line that's long enough to reach from heaven to your house, your heart, is Jesus. And once he delivers you out of there, you need to keep breathing that same air because this whole planet's going to burn soon and there's going to be no fresh air. There's nowhere to breathe down here. You go breathe over here, it's bad. Over there, bad. You need to have that oxygen line. I don't know if you guys were here when I taught the sermon, but you're standing on your oxygen line. My wife does. It drives me crazy. She's on oxygen. I'm like, honey, it's folded in half. I'm yelling. I'm like this paranoid husband. How can you be breathing? And it's all curled up, and she's yanking it through the house. It's knocking over stuff, and she's like, it's okay as long as it's not completely flat and tied in a knot. And I'm like freaking out. And so anyway, are you standing on your oxygen line from heaven? Or are you breathing fresh air daily by spending time with God, walking with him, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you through the word of God and to the work of God and the will of God for the glory of God? That's what the Bible is trying to get across in every chapter, every line. They all tell the same history of God, the same testimony of God, the same testimony of us, that we're sinners from the beginning of the book. We're sinners from the beginning of our life all the way to the end when God completely gets rid of all those enemies of the cross. And then we get to enjoy that fellowship, that love. That's what this is all about for eternity with him. Beloved, beloved. You know, that's what David, David's name means. See, that's, and you're like, this breaks my brain sometimes. See, David means, David is the first king that was after God's own heart, right? And Jesus comes from the lineage of David. He says, I will promise you that there will always be someone on your throne. And then you take it forward, and then the word beloved is what we're getting now. And that's where Jesus comes from. And he's sitting on the throne of David, and you're beloved of God. So your heart is supposed to be after God and his government, because there's never going to be an end to his government. We just read it. But you can grow in that peace. 
I now write you this second epistle, and he's trying to stir us up. You know, in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, it says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good deeds, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching. See, the, the, the worse the smoke is out there, the worse the battle is all week out there, the, the worse it gets everywhere, the more you need the oxygen from heaven. And the only way to get that is to come in and encourage one another, to have fellowship, to go, and you rush in here and you go, man, I need a spiritual hospital here. I need some oxygen. So you come in, you get equipped so you can go back out. You hold your breath for a minute. You go, it's, it's, it's vexing out there, just like with Righteous Lot. And look what's going on. But I got to go tell somebody. Because it's like a fire in my bones about Jesus. And that's why you have to keep coming back to Jesus. Keep coming back. Just like the boys did when you see them feeding the 5,000 and 4,000. Where did they get the bread from? It wasn't their own resources. Jesus was giving them commands and orders. He was telling them what to do. Have the people sit down. Have them put in 50s. Have them over here. And then, and then here, Lord, our Father, would you bless us? And he breaks it and he gives it to them. And they're like, oh, my goodness, I'm out. Oh, back to Jesus. And they run back and they get another basket and they come back out and they go, oh, here's another crowd that hasn't got any bread yet. And they're handing it out. And then they run right back to Jesus because there's no bread. There's no air. There's no nothing, no resources unless you're coming to Jesus. And right here's his word. Right here's his instruction. I've never showed up at his throne and go, going to lunch? What? He's always there. He's always waiting. He's always an ever-present help in time of need. So he wants to stir us up. I was looking for that word. It means, listen to what it means. Oh, to awaken fully, to arouse you from your sleep. It's, this was used in Matthew uh, Excuse me, Mark 4.38, you remember when Jesus was on, had his head on a pillow and they were in the boat? And, and, and he told the disciples, they've been trying to get him a break. They've been working, they've been doing ministry. He's trying to get them away, and all of a sudden some crowds come, and they, he talks to them. And then he said, get in the boat, get in the boat, hurry, get in the boat, we're going to the other side. They get in the boat, and Jesus has got his head on the pillow, and he's asleep, and this crazy storm arises. And they're like, carest thou not if we perish? He was asleep, and they woke him up to say that. Okay, this is what he's saying. I want to wake you up to say this to you. This is what stir up means. And you know what he did? If you looked in Mark 4.39, Jesus got up and said, poof, peace be still. He didn't wave no wand. He just said, peace be still to that water, and it became like a glass of ice. It became steel. And he said, go to sleep and stop doing that. Same word again, though, but it was the opposite way. He told that water and that storm to stop when they woke him up. And this is what, this is what truth does. 
This is why he wants you to see that you have to be in the word of God and listening to correct teaching. If you're not, yes, there's a bunch of voices out there. There's a bunch of people talking about the Bible, but they're using it for their own selfish gain, to, for filthy lucre, the Bible calls it. They're trying to build their own kingdoms. I mean, come on, I don't have to even, I don't even have to quiz you. If a guy's got a $10,000 suit on, why would you go to his church? How can you relate to somebody that would wear a $10,000 suit? I'm, I'm just saying. Think about it. He ain't dealing with stuff like me. He just ain't. He might be reading out of this book and telling you what it says, but his heart ain't nowhere close to me. Look at your leaders around the world. They ain't with us. They're doing their own thing. They've got their own government. They're not worried about the people. If they were, they'd be a little bit more sneaky, wouldn't they? I'm getting excited up here. You guys getting excited? The Word of God stirs me up. And it will purify your mind if you begin to apply God's government to your life. But right now, I can be sincere while he's doing that. And he reminds us. It's a way of memorial. It's a remembrance. It's a recollection. Put you to remembrance. Well, what do you want to remind us of? Verse 2, that you may be mindful. Oh, I forgot to tell you that mind means understanding, deep thought. This is not just bumbling along. I'm just going to follow whoever's in front of me. No, you're supposed to be a Berean. You're supposed to know the word. You're supposed to be asking the Holy Spirit. You're supposed to be trying to be under the government of God so that it becomes more clear when somebody else isn't. But if you're not even trying to be under the government of God, you're never going to recognize when somebody else is doing their own thing. But when you're asking the Holy Spirit to lead you, the Holy Spirit to give you direction, the Holy Spirit to help you see so you don't end up in hell or following some liar and packing around pockets of quarters or something or storing up guns so that you can fight the police and their government. I mean, when, when you start doing stuff like that, listen to me. The Bible doesn't say that. It's just not there. They're getting ready to kill Jesus. Think about it. If he was an earthly re leader... He would have told him, go get the guns, go, or go get the swords, you know, and he's ignoring them. And Peter's like, I got a sword. He goes, oh, that's enough. Get out. Let's go. We're going, my, my enemy is approaching. And Peter tries to wave that one sword, cuts a guy's ear off, Malchus's ear off. What does God do? He says, yeah, you needed that messing with me. No, he picks his ear up and puts it back on and heals it. God's got all power. It's his government. We're under his government. We're supposed to be telling people about his authority and his word. We're not supposed to be sitting around in fear. But see, the devil takes it by force. The devil brings fear. The devil brings the sickness. The devil wants you to be afraid of everything going on on the planet. And then he controls you like that. But God just wants you to have faith that he's already holding everything together. He knows every hair on your head. He, he formed you in your mother's womb beautifully and wonderfully. You're fashioned altogether for him. You're his possession. If you believe in the blood of Jesus. See, he came and died for everybody, but not everybody is going to receive that. That you may be mindful of the words, that's logos, 
which were spoken before. Notice that's already been said. Listen, here's something that false teachers will do. Listen to me really quickly. They'll tell you not to worry about what was said before in the Old Testament. Andy Stanley. He's just, he's just the heart of the false teachers. Look how far he has fallen from his dead. And he would tell you we can jettison the Old Testament. Wait a minute. Everything that they're talking about when they say the, the prophets in the Old Testament spoke it, that's what they couldn't quote the Bible and go, turn in your New Testament. There was no New Testament. Everything that Jesus and them quoted was Old Testament, except for maybe one place where in the end of this chapter, Peter's going to quote Paul, which kind of makes him authenticate Paul as the replacement for Judas. But I don't know that that would be true. I'm just kind of sidebarring on you. Red herring. I'll quit. Um, he wants your mind to be focused on and understand and understand the Old Testament. Read it. Absorb it. Know that it's good medicine whether you know what's in there or not, but God can open your eyes to see that the whole gospel is everywhere in the Old Testament. He wants you to be mindful of the words that were already spoken by the holy prophets. That's the Old Testament prophets. Those that foretell what? The truth. They foretold what God gave them to tell. They didn't come out making it up. We've already been through this in chapter 2. They came, they heard from God, and they brought it and told the people. Foretelling God's truth. We've been through this. People are freaking out. People are saying stuff like, uh, uh, it's pretty crazy out there. It looks like that these, these, this crazy government's reading the Bible. No, they're not. God's just telling you what they were going to do. They have no idea what's in the Bible. They just happen to be doing their life with their plans to take over this planet because the devil tells them to, and it happens to be what God has already told us when the book was written was going to happen. Exactly, because see, God's outside of time. We're going to get to that. I'm ahead of myself. It's foretelling truth. It's not prediction. Remember that. A teacher, a true teacher of the Bible, will foretell what's in the Bible, the truth of the Bible. The prophets, they foretold what God told them. And God is foretelling us everything that's going to happen in these 66 books because it's all about Him. And how He's interacting with you and me in love to lead us out of a fire that's getting ready to happen and you don't have to go there. You can actually breathe oxygen from heaven today. And of, to be, the commandment of us or of the apostles of the Lord and Savior. So notice he doesn't take some big title. These guys that were with me, of whom I'm the head of. Peter puts himself right there with everybody else. Apostle means one sent forth, an ambassador for the gospel. You and I can be generally, we were not there as the original 12, but generally we can be apostles. We were sent forth with the gospel. Every day, that's what God's doing. He said, go! Just as the Father sent me, I send you! So he's telling you to go forth with the gospel, the good news that saves them from the fire. But listen, look at the word commandment. Look at the word commandment. I love this word. Uh, it's 69 times it's, it's translated commandment. 
and two times precepts. It's an injunction. But listen to what it is. It's an authoritative prescription. Why is this important? Because I've already told you that John 10, 27 says that my sheep hear my voice, my phone, my phone A. I know them and they follow me. Now listen, so the devil comes up with a phone, something that can give you a voice and tell you what he wants to tell you whenever he wants, and we center our life around it. And now, look, look, the Bible already tells us in Revelation 18, 23 that they're going to deceive us with pharmacy. And so now we have the commandment itself as a prescription for life. That's what commandment means. It means a prescription from the great physician on how to live life. And so now you have the devil mimicking God because he has nothing new, and he's trying to destroy with the same prescription of pharmacy to get you to follow his pharmacy and not God's prescription of faith. See, because the devil has nothing. He has to follow and mimic and pervert what God is doing. God's leading us out of a fire with a prescription, an instruction on how not to die in the fire. And so what does he do? He turns around and he comes up with a pharmacy prescription that will kill you, that will deceive you. And I'm not saying again that all medicine is bad and that everybody that works in the medical community, oh my goodness, there are a bunch of de demons hanging on to the. No, we're living life down here. People get sick. People need some help. But are you looking to God for help or are you trusting your nurse? See, I always pray that God will bring me the right nurse. We had four different pastors' wives when my wife was in the hospital for 37 days. That were, and one of them actually rescued my wife from a nurse that I didn't think was any good. And didn't just rescue her, but came in, changed shifts, and immediately whisked my wife back to ICU away from Take her down there. Immediately, she was a, and she was a pastor's wife from Crawfordsville. And I was like, yes, because the safest place to be if you're going to be in the hospital. Now, now this is careful. Be careful. Because a lot of people die on ICU, but it's the safest place to be. Because the nurse usually only has one or two patients. You out on the floor, I don't even know how many now, but then it was like six patients. It's probably 25 patients now because they don't have any nurses. I'm just telling you, that's where you want to be. But here's the other part. If you're in ICU, they allow them to make decisions. Really, you're just following instructions on the floor. Is that true? I mean, you get, you, it's not like you're a robot. But I'm looking at a nurse. Uh, but they just follow the instructions. They can't change it in the spur of a moment because that person's life is getting ready to be lost. But somebody in ICU can. They, they need to get permission. But if there's no permission, they can go ahead and use all their training to save that life. It's different. Sorry, I went to another spot that. But it, it, it's, it's applicable. The commandments. I asked a young man this week. I said, oh, do you believe in God? Because I knew he was raised in a home that believed in God. And he said, nah, not really. And I said, really? And he goes, oh, I believe in the Ten Commandments. I said, oh, you do? I said, have you thought that through yet? Have you thought that through yet? And he's like, what do you mean? I go, well, what's the first commandment? Oh, I don't know. Oh, uh, you shall have no other gods before me. So then there must be a God that's real that wrote that. And he's the one you're supposed to be following if you think the Ten Commandments are okay. Because, see, that's his prescription. The Ten Commandments. His heart hasn't changed a bit. God's heart has not changed a bit. It just so happens that you and I cannot follow the prescription. So Jesus came and followed it perfectly, and he gives us his righteousness. And all you have to do is believe that 
and confess it with your mouth. And if you do that, then the Holy Spirit comes in. And what's the Holy Spirit do? Leads you out. The Holy Spirit is your air. That's what's in the oxygen line. The Holy Spirit is the, the breath of life that brings you back to life and leads you out with the instruction that is the prescription. Might as well be the nurse that's going, no, follow me. We're going out. We're leaving this planet. You're leaving that. You're changing your mind. That's not good. And then teaches you and guides you and leads you. And then you turn around and everything that you learn, you're supposed to be given to somebody else. Or at least some of it. Sharing it. Commandment means prescription. What kind of prescription are you taking? The Bible tells you to take the word, prayer, and fellowship. And while you're taking the word, prayer, and fellowship, as you see it, you go, oh my goodness, you confess your sins. And I believe life is a series of repentances. The first one is, is I was already at the wrong government. I was a sinner. I had a sin nature. And now I'm going to come back under your government and your authority. And now the Holy Spirit is shining a light. As I read the word of God, as I live life, oh, don't do that. Okay. Is that a sin or is that just like for me? Because see, sometimes it's just for you. Because the Holy Spirit knows if you do that, you're going to lead to that. And so the Holy Spirit will say, that's not for you, Greg. That's not you. Don't even go there. Don't even open the bag because you can't eat one. And so the Holy Spirit does stuff with you that's not even, it's because it's written on your heart. It's not about the prescription on the stone tablets. It's about the Spirit of God and, 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 and not the letter of the law, but the love of the God who sent the Spirit to lead you out. Are we getting this, beloved? Little born again ones. John, that's what John says. Little born again ones. Treat us like enduring children that are needing milk to be nursed and led. We don't leave children at home. See, and there's, there, there's that, there's that uh, when we're together, there's numbers where there's power in the numbers. There's strength when we're praying together. But you know, if I'm out there by myself, I might do some stupid stuff. I might think some stupid stuff. My mind might be clouded, and I might think, you know what? I'm just going to go after them instead of you going, oh, no, 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 just let it go. Pray for them. You know, but when we're, when we're counseling one another and, and, and hanging out with one another and letting one another see into our life, I always compare it to a chess game. You ever been playing chess? You're sitting there, and the guys around you, you see them just kind of, they're making all kinds of stirring noises, and you go, there's something here I ain't seeing because they're stirring over there, and I can see the audience is watching what's going on, so there's something going on. You could be the next move checkmate, and you don't even notice it, but somebody else goes, move that, and you move it. You get a little help, and you block a checkmate. You're okay. I mean, come on. We need people looking into our life, but we need people that are in the Bible looking into our life. Not people. I mean, listen. Oh, I better keep going. I'm going to get in trouble here. Where are we at? So the commandment is a prescription from God. He's the great physician. He's the one that created you. You know, there. I, I can't move on. I got to keep. I got to get this thing. There was a cold morning in Chicago. I don't know. I'll make up a date. 1914. It's just an illustration. Don't freak out. I'm not lying. 1914. Freezing cold. Young man broke down. His car won't start. He's on the bridge in Chicago, six below. And all of a sudden, this big, long limousine pulls up. This guy steps out of the car, takes off his overcoat, lays it in his seat. He walks over, and he says, what seems to be the problem? He says, won't start. 
I'm about to freeze to death out of here. Look at my fingers. And he says, you care if I take a look at it? And he says, go ahead. I, I, I can't get it to start. So he tinkers with a couple things, and he gives it a big crank, and it starts right up. He said, how did you do that? He said, I'm Henry Ford. I created these. I know exactly what it takes to make it run properly. And that's what God would say. Don't let nobody else tinker under your hood with their counsel, with their word, with their knowledge, because only his government will take care of your soul. Only the creator knows what is in you and what's going on. So always go to him first. And this is his instruction book for your life. He's the one created you. See, we, we, we have this thought where we go, oh, I believe in a creator. Well, then why are you listening to everybody else and not the creator? They don't even know the creator, and you're listening to them. They're leading you straight to hell. Yeah, so my conversation with the other, I said, so, oh, you, so then everything else you're doing in life is putting that before God. If you don't believe in God, you're automatically doing that. I said, so what's the second commandment? I don't know. I said, how are you believing in these and thinking that they're good if you don't even know what none of them are? He goes, well, I know what the fourth one is. And I go, what's that? He goes, honor your father and your mother. I go, that's the fifth. I go, the first four are all about looking up. And that's the way it is in two tablets is that the first four are all about God and your relationship with God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Number five, honor the authority in your life, your father and your mother. It's talking about authority again because it's God's government first. Then you honor and obey your parent. And what is it? It's the first commandment with a promise. Anybody know the promise? You'll live long in the land. Because if you don't obey authority, you're going to die. Doesn't mean literally just like in the garden. The day you eat from this tree, you will surely die. It means you begin to die from God's government. And you don't have life. And if you stay on that path, Proverbs says the young eagles of the air will eat your eyeballs out. Really? Yeah, because everything is through your eyes. When the eye is good, the heart will be good. When you're looking at wrong things and looking at wrong knowledge and following wrong people with your eyes, just eating your eyes out. You're just dying. That's some, that's some gross stuff. Come on, God. We just want to be beloved. No, there's going to be death, too, for those who reject the truth that we're talking about. Anyway, so the first thing to be trained in is where the parent is supposed to train the child in the way they're supposed to go. But that child or that parent is already supposed to be honoring and obeying authority in their life, which comes from God's government. Keep moving. We got to get this done. We can't be here for an hour and 53 minutes. We're still trying to, the first thing he wants to get, here it goes, commandment of our Lord and Savior, the apostles, Lord and Savior. You, you, three, knowing, there's our word, gnoskos. This is what you're supposed to be finding out, learning, adding to your faith is knowing this first, it's the preeminent thing that he wants you to know, that scoffers will come in the last days. Well, the last days is every day since Jesus ascended, my opinion. Some people say every day since Jesus came the first time in his first advent, I believe it's ever since he ascended and said, I will be back. But that's just my opinion. Those are the last days. And they come, and the scoffers, listen to me, scoffers are mockers. They're mocking what? They're mocking the truth of God's word. They'll stand in the pulpit, 
and then mock and scoff at what the Word of God says. They'll tell you they're a Christian on the street, and then they'll mock and scoff at what you say about Jesus or the Bible. But what does it mean? Uh, a derider? Listen to me. The implication is false teacher. It's someone that doesn't believe the Word of God. So if you don't believe the Word of God, you're not going to teach the Word of God. There's churches today everywhere, and they're getting worse and worse and worse. Most are apostate. There's always a remnant. They're, they have buildings open. They say, I'm a church. But you know, they'll stand there, and they will say, you can be in a homosexual marriage and go to heaven. You're okay practicing that sin and sitting in this church, and I will preach to you. Really? You love me, and you will let me stay in sin? I remember uh, 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 a Mormon coming knocking on our door. My wife laughs at these things. He come knocking on our door, and of all things, he was selling uh, 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 burglar alarms. And to me, he was trying to burglarize my house because he's a Mormon. He's trying to tell me some stuff that's a lie. And as we're sharing, I, I decided to share my testimony like I always do. And he goes, wow, that is such an amazing testimony. And I said, oh, you're going to stand there and lie in my face? He said, what do you mean? I said, I said well, well, you don't believe I'm saved? You know, I mean, I just told you something that might as well have been a fairy tale. You don't believe that I can be saved unless I'm in the Mormon church. I said, so why would you say it's an amazing testimony of what God has done? You think you can be a God. I mean, they do, and their doctrine is all messed up. It doesn't line up with the Bible. And I wasn't being mean to him. I just said, you know what? I said, who wanted to be like the Most High God? Have you read your Bible? Oh, the devil. Well, then why would you stand and listen to doctrine that says you can be like the Most High God? You get your own planet when you die if you do enough while you're on this planet. That's what they teach. It's just a lying doctrine. There's only one God. And only the devil wanted to be like and take his position. Okay, I got off again. Let's get back. Knowing, do you know, the first thing that he wants is that false teachers will come. Make no mistake, they joined the church the day after Jesus instituted. They began to come and to lie and to cheat and deceive. And some of them thought they were okay. You know, here's the difference between a false teacher and a true teacher. If somebody says something that's wrong and you correct them with the scriptures and they receive it. Now, they might get mad instantly right then because people don't like to be corrected. But if they receive it, I believe that's a true teacher. At least they say, you know what, I'll pray about that. But when you have people that say, well, this is what we believe in here in our church. This is what we teach. This is what we do. And if you don't like it, go somewhere else. See, the body of Christ is the body of Christ. And anybody that's a Christian anywhere in the world should be able to sit down and talk about the same Bible, just like you could do with electricity or water. They have the same code everywhere. So why would the Bible be so different everywhere unless you have false teachers, people who refuse to come underneath the government of God and they want to do what they're doing and teach what they're teaching and what they've been deceived by and they're not willing to yield. See, because love yields. It's willing to yield. Oh, well, wait a minute. I always thought, show me that in the scripture again. 
See, they would be willing to yield. They would be willing to know that you could be deceived too and be teaching something that somebody taught you instead of out of a love relationship with God. So you have to be very careful because the devil had taken over all the cemetery or the seminaries long ago and instituted false teachers that teach all kinds of stuff that has nothing to do with the Bible. So scoffers, last days, what are they doing? They're walking according to their own lust, their own desires. Walking is always how you're living. They're living according to their own desires. They're building churches by businesses and budgets and building principles, what you would do in a secular world. But it's altogether different. This is a spiritual hospital. This is a God who sent his son to die for us, to pour out his blood, to pay for all the penalty, the wrath that would be poured out upon us. And we come to learn how to change our mind and follow his government and not continue in the flesh that wants to follow sin, wants to follow the other things that sound good. And we learn to obey and do what Eve didn't do, to do what Adam didn't do. To do what people before us didn't do. We want to learn to follow the second Adam. To follow Jesus. And what did he do? He sent the Holy Spirit to lead us. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Now you got an epigenoskos there. If you're being led by the Spirit, you're willing to yield. You're growing in fruit. You're, you're, you're getting into the scriptures and you're concerned about others and daily forgetting about yourself and dying to self, then you might have a little bit of fruit there to know that you truly believe this gospel message. But if all you do is escape the pollution and you go to church to feel good and your heart isn't changing, you're still out there chasing all the toys you can get, all the stuff you can get, because whoever gets the most wins, right? Somebody want to tell Bill Gates or George Soros or some of these evil people that are going to go to hell if they don't repent? Some of them got a whole lot of toys. It's helping them none, not whatsoever. They have a complete dependency upon their own government, their own power. They will manipulate entire countries. That's why George Soros is wanted in other countries. He manipulated entire economies and bankrupt countries in his own power. Because he wouldn't bow down to anybody. And if you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, he'll lift you up. And it doesn't, he, God picks from the back of the line. He chooses all, he died for all. But he goes all over looking for those who will humble themselves and obey him. And he's not a respecter of persons. So the scoffers are coming. They're walking according, living according. They're chasing their own lust what they want to do, not what God wants to do. It's not, a, it's not a Jesus life, not my will, Father, but thy will be done. It's a, I'm doing what I want, but I feel good because I went to church. Really? That's not escaping the corruption that's in your heart. That's just escaping the pollution that's out there that you could breathe. And that word lust there or desire is a longing, especially for that which is forbidden. See, we're not supposed to be following any other government but God. God first, first commandment that we would break if we were living according, walking according, doing according to our own lust. See, you begin to change your mind. And I believe life is a series. After coming to Christ, it's a series of repentances. 
the Holy Spirit's showing you those things that are tripping you, showing you those things that's leading your heart away, and, and you've escaped the pollution, but now you need to escape the full corruption that's in your heart because we do not have pure hearts, but we're going there. We have it positionally, but not practically. I even remember when I first got saved, I'd be reading my Bible and go, what in the world? These thoughts start coming up, the worst thoughts in your life. And, and, and then I have people tell me, I go, well, listen, good news is this. God's taking those out, and he's making room for his word. But see, they're not coming out if you're not putting the word in. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That means the overflow. So whatever you're still talking about and saying, it's because you're not putting in the word of God. And allowing the spirit of God to draw it out to tell others about it. Wow, how could he get rid of all these or get through all these verses? Verse 4, they're, the last days, you got false teachers, and they're living according to what they want. They, they're building churches according to what they want to do. They tell you what pleases your heart. They're tickling your ears. In fact, look over at 1 Timothy 4. Let me just read this to you, what Paul told Timothy. This is what Paul told Timothy, young Timothy, 4.1. Now, this is about the apostasy, the Spirit, the Spirit of God expressly says that in the last days, latter times, some will depart from the faith. Listen, depart from the faith. What did we just hear about these false teachers? That, that, that they escaped the pollutions and then they got entangled. They went back to the vomit like a dog goes back to his vomit. They walked away from truth. He says they will depart from. Giving heed, that's putting your mind to, deceiving spirits. When we talked about it, remember the angels come first, the deceiving spirits come first, and then Noah's flood, and then Sodom and Gomorrah. There's an order to this. First, God allows the, the deceiving spirits to de test your heart and deceive you, and doctrines of demons. And then they follow, and they make it a doctrine. And this is how, this is godly, but no, it's a doctrine of demons. It came from a, a spirit that was a fallen angel. And what do they do? They speak lies and hypocrisy. So they say stuff, but they don't live it. It's not their heart. Having their own conscience. Remember, remember your conscience? That's your perception. And when it's lined up with God, you have co-perception with God. Your conscience is, is under the government of God, following what God has said, or at least you have a heart towards that. And when you fall short of that, you repent, and he washes and cleanses you as you agree. So they have their conscience seared. That's the word for cauterize. Like when you have blood bleeding real bad and they cauterize a wound. It's a cauterization. They, your conscience is cauterized, burnt with a hot knife or a hot iron, forbidding to marry. And then they begin to make up these false doctrines, which were probably going on in that time. Forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods. See, this is making up stuff that God didn't say. It's legalism, commanding to abstain from food. Why can't we command that? Which God created to be received with thanksgiving by all those who believe and trust your spiritual well-being into Christ and know, that's the gnosko, you're coming to know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will do good. You will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith 
and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed, but reject profane and old wise fables, and exercise yourself towards godliness. For bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having a promise of the life that now is, right now, present, and of that which is to come, eternal. This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance, for to this end we both labor and suffer reproach. There's going to be persecution. Because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. And he's just saying that he died for all, but the ones that believe are the ones that's going to be delivered out. These things command and teach. It, 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 all the apostles, all the prophets, Old Testament and New Testament pointed to this is going to happen. So, what are they saying specifically? Where is the promise of his coming? Now read this. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Notice they're teaching creation. But where's his promise of his coming? Everything is status quo. Do you know that, so, that, 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 that much of the church today right now believes? Here it is. We got through World War I. We got through World War II. We'll get through Joe Biden. We'll get through them still in an election. We'll get through these things. Much of the church is teaching that. We just need to listen. We just need to, to adopt Black Lives Matter. We just need to go in and really try to, to love our neighbors by doing more good. And we need to go out there and just show them that we love them by getting a vaccine. And we really need to cooperate with what society's doing or we can never be a loving child of God. Listen to me. This is all a bunch of lies from false teachers. That's why I said it's not the sign of the times. It's the time of the signs. When you have us leaving Afghanistan the way that we did to set up Ezekiel's war of Ezekiel 38, because now the power has all shifted everywhere. When you have us bailing and stealing submarine contracts and making our whole country abhorrent before everybody else, we're the only country that keeps things from going all the way crazy. I don't know if you guys knew, but even our president, who I have to respect the office, he even pulled our Patriot missiles from Saudi Arabia's southern border where we've been protecting them for years and didn't even tell them. Like a couple weeks later, they go, hey, and they were gone and nobody knows where they're at. And we just said, so we're throwing all of our allies under the bus because we're exchanging the power. And so I could take you to Isaiah. Maybe I would. We're out of time. Uh, you can go read it. Maybe go read Isaiah. It's the same thing that happened to Israel. Which chapter was it? Isaiah 6? Ezekiel. You can read it. Go read Isaiah 46. Ah, I wish I could read it. I don't have time. It's a long chapter, but it's exactly what God did when he brought him up to overthrow Israel. They brought up a, a, a worse country because they were following idols. They would make idols that couldn't do nothing. They had to put them in the cart that they built to carry them to the next place. And God says, remember me. See, that's what we're doing right now. we got to read it. Never mind. You guys will be here for a long time. we got to read it. We're just not going to read all of it, okay? 
It's Isaiah 46. I'm just going to get you to the part uh, 46.8. Remember this and show yourselves men. Stand up and be strong. Recall to mind, O you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God. There's only one government. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, foretelling what's going on. And from ancient times, things that are not yet done. He's telling us what's getting ready to happen. Saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man who executes my counsel from a far country. China's coming. Indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Listen to me, you stubborn-hearted who are far from righteousness. I bring my righteousness near. Jesus, come on the cross. It shall not be far off. My salvation shall not linger. And I will place salvation in Zion, that's Jerusalem, for Israel, my glory. Listen. Listen, the same thing is getting ready to happen again. And people are preaching falsely. Oh, we'll get through this. Now, we're at the end of the age, not the last days, but the last milliseconds. And we see it all setting up, getting ready to happen. And you can see it happening. And we're being deceived by a government. Not, 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 we're not talking about Joe Biden. We're talking about the devil and the Antichrist and the whole world. This is not geographical just on America because our pride makes us think it's just us. Go, go Google COVID in Australia and see what's going on in Australia. A place where they've had about 400 people die of COVID. They, they've got 25 million people in five different territories. And they won't let them leave their house. You can't go 50, 50 kilometers out of your house. They're beating people. They're arresting people. But nobody's putting it on the nightly news. See, that would have been nightly news. 20 years ago, that would have been on the news. They're protesting in Australia. Look what's going on. It's crazy over there. But since it's all one world... And everybody wants to come into this same convergence. They're not telling you that they're rioting in other parts of the earth because they don't want you to know that. They don't want you to think, oh, well, other people think like I think. No, they're trying to force you to think like they want you to think through their propaganda on all the news stations and follow their lie and be deceived by pharmacy and fear and Fauci and anything else you want to talk about. But my government is this word. My government is the Bible. This is, this is who I follow. And I'm not going to believe him. Where is the promise of his coming? Notice, notice this. Because some people go, was that meaning his second coming? No, they're still acting like he didn't come the first time. I believe anyway. For since the fathers fell asleep, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they're not awake. All things are dead. All things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. The status quo. Listen, don't be freaking out. There's no judgment coming. This is not the end of it all. You don't have to get anything right. You don't have to repent. Just keep doing what you've been doing. It'll recover. We might pay more for gas. This might cost a little bit more. You might have to give up a little bit of freedom and put on a mask. But it's all going to be okay. It's the same as it's always been. That's what they want you to think. To peace, peace, and then sudden destruction comes. Until they've got some foreign army on our land and telling us what to do. And you're going, oh, I don't need to prepare for anything. Listen, I'm not talking about just physical. 
And he's not talking about physical. This is spiritual. You're not dealing with your spiritual heart, your spiritual life, the way you're supposed to have spiritual disciplines. And he told us in chapter 1 to add to our faith. And you think it's all going to be the same? You might die tomorrow. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you really under the government of God, ready to meet him so he can say, enter him, well done, good and faithful servant? So all these other things that are going on are putting you on trial. They're testing your heart to see if you choose what the government says and what the world says or what God says. Notice the word creation, and it's followed by verse 5. For this they willfully, willingly forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. Noah's day, right? Look at it. It's Genesis 1, verse 6. I want you to see this because they're also saying that, that God didn't create in six days and rest on the seventh. Literal days. You look at the language. He even says it. It's 1, 6 of Genesis. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. And let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters that were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. Listen. So the evening and the morning were the first day. And see, in the Hebrew uh, uh, economy, their day starts at night. Six o'clock at night starts their new day. And it's over with six o'clock the next day. The evening and the morning. It's not like us. We've removed from that. But they go, oh, those were periods. Of the no, those were literal days because God spoke it ex nihilo, out of nothing. And what did he do when he did? He set it up for destruction when he did it. What? Water above, water underneath. There's reservoirs. There's caverns. All this water. There's four rivers that never rained. And so when they were preaching for 120 years, Noah, that, that God's going to destroy the earth with a flood. That's why I'm building this boat. That's why me and my family are in on Friday night, that's why we read the Word of God, because there's a destruction coming. And they're like, what are you talking about? So what did God do? He used the natural, and he released the water from above and from below, and it flooded the earth. Forty days and forty nights. It's already there. Now, why is that important? Because that was reserved for that, because God already knew it was going to happen. Watch what he says right here, because now the earth that's now here. Because see, what do they do? They willingly forget. I mean, I don't want to miss this. What do you willfully get if you teach people evolution that God created? What do you willfully get? What do you willfully do if you teach people that it's okay uh, uh, to marry uh, homosexuals? Marry. You willfully forget God's word. It's called death culture. What do you do when you willfully ignore God's word and you take and make your own government and you create your own economy? You willfully forget. It's a volition of your own decisions, but they want you to follow them. And they willfully. God created by his word. He spoke and they willfully forget it. And they make up what? You can call it a theory, but it's called lawlessness. Because it's against God's truth. But a theory is even made to be questioned. Science, the very nature of science, you question it. Question, you question Fauci. You question any of their science. Question them. Go ahead. They question them over in Australia and they're putting them in jail. 
Listen to me. A theory is fluidity. Think about it. Everything's becoming fluid. No truth, no solid foundation. If a theory is fluidity, it's because I can change it later when, when what I'm talking about, I need to move you someplace else. God's truth never moves. Theories move. The theory of evolution, the theory of, uh, 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 of relativity, everything moves. It really does. It can be moved if they need to move it. It's fluid. It's lawlessness. And lawlessness will abound. Fluidity will abound. I'm, I'm serious. I'm talking to people, and I never thought it before, but when they say that the, the, the age of adolescence is 27, well, talk to some people that's been through fluidity. Talk to some people that's been told that there's no absolute truth and whatever you feel is okay. They have nothing to stand on. They have no foundation. They're still, I mean, they're going to be 50 still trying to figure out what shoes to buy because they can't make a decision because they're afraid out of vanity and peer pressure that they might displease somebody. So they have no government that is true. They have a government that lies to them and keeps them in bondage and slavery underneath them, waiting for them to give them more instruction or a new cell phone. They willfully forget it. They willfully are ignorant of it is what it means. They willingly are ignorant, unaware. They don't want to know. Let's close this because you guys are making me go long again. So they willfully ignore it. Even though there's so much evidence of the flood, they'll say it didn't happen. But, verse 7, the heavens... In a storehouse is what it says in the King James. Isn't that cool? In a storehouse. Just as all of God's fruit and riches is in a storehouse in heaven that you can freely have as your inheritance, that right now it's kept in store and reserved, just like the angels in 2-4 that are reserved for punishment. This earth right now is preserved and kept in a storehouse ready for fire. Listen to me. By the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Now I believe this is going to be a seven. There's going to be a seven-year tribulation followed by a thousand-year millennial reign where where Christ rules on the throne here on this earth, and then the fire of judgment is going to burn it up a new heaven and new earth. That's what I believe, and I can be. I I, I don't. I, I can be convinced some other way if the Word of God says that, and I can see it. But right now, that's good enough for me because I'm going in the rapture, and I don't need to know all that. God's got that. He's got me. Um, but notice the fire. Do you know that our Earth's core, our Earth's core right now, is, and everywhere you look are volcanoes that are, that are ready to blow up, that are ready to be on fire. The Earth's core, the, the temperature is 12,400 12, degrees. See, the same way the water was above and below, the earth now is reserved and the storehouse is ready to blow. When God's ready for it to blow, it's, not, it's just going to be a natural thing. He's just going to release it because everything's held together by God. That's what an atom is. God holds the atom together. Is it a dink that the first man was Adam and that everything's held together by an atom? I don't know. dink is that a word? 
Listen, it's already reserved. And this is his whole point is don't believe the false teachers and the status quo that God's not getting ready to judge. He's always going to judge. And listen, you might give up your breath tomorrow. Then you're going to be judged. None of this will matter. COVID won't matter. None of that. Is your life right with God and his government today? The head of his government is Jesus. He sent him to die, pour out his blood. If you believe it in your heart, confess it with your mouth. You shall be saved. But listen, let's finish it. Because the Bible is the best commentary on the Bible. If you just take that one verse, you go, I believe, and you'll see signs everywhere. I believe. What do you believe? What do you trust in? Which God? See, because the Bible is clear in who he is. It's right here. His character, his nature, his will, his heart. Everything about him and what he's doing, what he's done, what he's going to do is written down. So you can say, I believe that your government is righteous and true. And you're going to rule on it forever from the throne of David. You're, I believe in that government, not other governments. I believe in your truth, not in lies. I believe you're holy and there is no other God. And I believe I need to repent because I'm living following myself or the world or somebody else. This is what he's going to say. Listen, but beloved. This is not what we want for us, but beloved. Again, he's back to that. He just gave us the bad news. Then he said, I'm back to this. Do not forget this one thing. That with the Lord, one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. What's his point? Just because punishment hasn't come doesn't mean it's not coming. See, because God's outside of time. God's outside of time. We're inside of time. We're rushing around. We're trying to get stuff done. We're going, there's only 24 hours in a day. I need some more hours. And we're rushing around because we're confined to getting what we need to get done in here. He is not rushing. He's in perfect control, sitting on the throne, perfect love. You can't change him. You can't help him. You can't. All you can do is receive and know that he's not, he's not, he's, he's wanting all. What? The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward where? Us. See, there's a direction. There's a direction of his long suffering. It's not just haphazard. And your life should have a direction. It should be God's government. Not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Metanoia. Change your mind. Change your direction. Change the government you're under. Change what you think. That's what this means every day in everything. When you go to church, you're looking. Everybody that goes to church, you should not go to church and go, yeah, it's a good message, but I didn't really get nothing. Really? Then you weren't looking to get anything. Because the Word of God will change you. The Word of God will always step on your heart. The Word of God is trying to, 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 to free you from the corruption that's in your heart and your sin nature and get you to die to self and see the grace and the mercy of God. He's long-suffering. Just because He hasn't punished your sin or punished your life or punished the planet yet with fire doesn't mean it's not coming. Doesn't mean it's not coming. It's coming. But he's long-suffering. Today we need to turn and understand that we're being lied to. And it's already set up for judgment. But God, you know, here, here's the thing. We've already been through it. I'm going to do it again. Ezekiel 38, 11, No pleasure in the death of the wicked. But he has great pleasure in you and I crossing the finish line. Because he gave his most prized possession, the blood of his son, 
And he wants everybody to believe in it. So it's not wasted at all. It's not trampled underfoot at all. So he's long-suffering with us. And he loves us. That's the greatest thing. The devil wants to convince you that God's mad at you. He's not happy with you. Your last actions were bad, and you can never come back to God now. But all you had to do is turn. Just ask him to forgive you, and he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. He already knew it. He's not disappointed. Father, thank you for reminding us that you're so long-suffering, that you love us, and that you gave your son to die for us. How will you not give us everything else that pertains to life and godliness? Lord, how we need to know this as we run around in this world and listen to lies. We need your word to cleanse us. We need your truth to cleanse us. Pour out your spirit, Lord, and wake us up. Stir us up. Wake us up at the heart of our Christian walk that we would surrender to the work of your spirit and allow your spirit to wash and cleanse us and that we would grow in the grace and the knowledge of you daily. Bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear?